Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, hey, Mets fans. Welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian. With me, as always, is Chris. And Chris, uh, today was a day. Um, it was the trading deadline, the trade deadline, and the Mets acquired two players, which we'll talk about in a minute. It was the return of Jacob deGrom, which we'll talk about in a minute. It's also the, the night the Mets broke their seven-game winning streak with a loss to the very bad Washington Nationals. And for a day that should have been in my mind, a celebratory one for the Mets. A lot of Mets fans, including us, are a little bit down on the day today. And um, I think that there is there's a very good argument to be made that we are all overreacting to every element of this. However, the way that this season has progressed, the Mets are on the precipice of a season that we've only really seen in team history one other time. That's an 86. They're on the precipice of having an, an, an historic season. And the fact that they didn't treat the trade deadline as an opportunity to further plant their flag in the ground and say, we are, we are for real. We are going to do everything we can to win a World Series. The fact that they just picked up a couple of pieces that are marginal upgrades of what they had before feels very anticlimactic and a little maddening. Uh, Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. And I I think it's possible to maintain two lines of thinking about the Mets right now. 
they are absolutely still capable of uh, winning the World Series. And they didn't do all that much to help themselves uh, along the way with, with what they did today. Um, of course, they, they've added four major league players. And uh, that's more than you can say of the guys that they're replacing or the roles they're replacing uh, on this roster. But today, obviously, if Juan Soto was available to them at all as a division rival and if uh, if they were willing to pay up in prospects like the Padres did, that would have been, that would have been an amazing move. But... Um, I didn't necessarily need that to feel like they did a great job at the deadline, but I can't help but be concerned that they do not have a usable left-handed relief pitcher in their bullpen as a team that is going to the playoffs. So it's hard not to be annoyed. And, and, and look, hey, maybe Trevor May, and we love Trevor May. He's been on the show in a couple of capacities over the last year and a half. Um, very likable guy, easy to talk to, uh, someone who comes off as a good person and has been a good relief pitcher uh, in his career and in his healthy time with the Mets. Maybe he's fully healthy and he's, he's a guy that we can think of as a, a – consistent, high-leverage guy that we trust. Uh, Adam Adovino, maybe we don't give him enough credit. Uh, maybe that improvement in his walk rate is real and not something that we're going to have to worry about flaring up in those big spots in playoff games. But uh, I don't know. I, you just think Sandy Alderson is not, as far as we know, the primary person making ba- baseball decisions right now. But some of what he did so well in 2015 was shoring up the bullpen. Mm-hmm. And that was a bullpen that was already pretty good. And, and you know, when I, I wrote about um, available relievers a couple times over the weekend or, or potentially available ones that the Mets can maybe target. And like 2015, if you look at the overall bullpen stats, you could look and say, oh, hey, the, this bullpen's pretty good. Uh, coming into the weekend, the Mets bullpen had the eighth best ERA in baseball, but that's a little bit deceiving. Uh, and and obviously tonight we saw what the Mets bullpen depth looks like when it when it gets yep. to that point. Um, but Edwin Diaz is phenomenal this year, and he's a huge reason that the team stats look as good as they do. And they've gotten good work from several guys, but. Uh, when you go and trade Colin Holderman, who maybe they sold him at his absolute peak as a, as a professional baseball player. I don't know. That's possible. But that was an arm that was in their bullpen uh, and one who I think had shown a little more promise than some of the other guys they've used this year. When you go and trade him for Vogelback. I know that they did trade for a reliever in Michael Givens, but the hope was that you'd come out of all this with more relievers that you would trust uh, to be effective at that high level of major league competition, not the same number, or maybe, you know, maybe one who's got more of a track record, but performance wise was 
essentially replacing Holderman. So yeah, that that's where I'm at. I know relief pitchers are sort of like my my thing, my my fixation as a Mets fan, but <laughs> um No, but I mean look, I, I don't think you're wrong for a lot of reasons there. I think the bullpen was the most glaring need the Mets have. Now, a couple of things I do want to say before we get too deep into this. Uh, Trevor May will help, obviously. And we haven't even mentioned the players who the Mets actually acquired, which we should probably do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about the offensive pieces in a minute. But they got Michael Givens from the Cubs. And Givens is a fine right-handed reliever. You know, he's he's fine. Whatever. But there were a lot of relief pitchers out there that were available that the Mets did not move on. Now, granted, some pitchers will be released between now and you know what is what is the current deadline for for uh, to make the postseason roster? Uh, I believe that is still September first. It's just there's, yeah, I the, think it the... is as well. But so theoretically, there could be some diamonds in the rough picked up. Like Jerry's Familia. That's a joke. It's a fucking joke. No one accused me of actually advocating for Familia. Um, you know, <laughs> player, pl- players will be released, and there will be a chance to pick up maybe a couple of extra arms here and there and throw some stuff against the wall and see what sticks. Uh, that's also time if the Mets wanted to continue with this David Peterson as a lefty out of the bullpen experiment, though I do not advocate for that. But, you know, there is time there to do that. So I, I don't think that the bullpen we're going to see tomorrow is necessarily the bullpen we're going to see in the playoffs, but it's more or less there, and that's very frustrating. I know they're saying they plan on using Tyler McGill out of the bullpen when he comes back, and that's great in theory, but that's just a theory. We have right. no idea how McGill is going to do out of the bullpen. And he's um, he's not <laughs> – look, I, I, I do not think that anybody on the market – Mets could have really picked up is going to be like Mariano Rivera or Edwin Diaz 2.0, right? But Andrew Chafin seemed like he was going to be available to to be traded for. And he's unvaccinated and probably a piece of shit, but he would have been an excellent addition to the team as a lefty reliever out of the bullpen. It would have been a really, really smart pickup for them and they didn't do that david robertson would have been a really smart pickup for them and the phillies got him uh michael fulmer was uh in talks to be uh on the trade ta- on the trading table and he was he went to the twins like there are lots of other pitchers out there the mets could have brought in for not a ton of a return and done better i this is where i'm more mad at the mets a lot of people today were are very upset that the wilson Contreras trade did not happen and i understand that but not only did the Mets not get Contreras, nobody got him. So obviously the Cubs asking price for him was too high for 29 other teams. So I don't have as much of a problem with a specific player not coming to the Mets because those things can are not determined by just one team. But the fact that Mets were only able to trade for one relief pitcher just blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, hey, with the recent updates on the collective bargaining agreement. The Cubs have the option to give Contreras a qualifying offer. Uh, I think we kind of all assume that will happen at this point. If they didn't trade him for a prospect now, 
why not? He certainly can right. produce uh, well enough to make it worth it if he accepts that offer. But uh, to go back to the McGill point a little bit, and it's been talked about uh, on the broadcast. They've talked a lot about um, McGill to the bullpen or other starters to the bullpen. And, uh, and that all sounds good. But we are in the midst of something that I think we should celebrate, but also point out is a somewhat tenuous situation. The five best starting pitchers in the Mets organization are each pitching five days in a row this week. Um, I think that happened once in the DeGrom, Harvey, Syndergaard, Mats, Wheeler era. And I, I think it only happened once. And maybe that, it happened. That sounds right. When, when like one or two of them were post injury and not even that good anymore compared to what they, you know, what they had shown earlier in their careers. <laughs> yeah. So that that's happening right now. I hope it happens the rest of the season. And sure, when that happens, hey, we've got the way playoff games are played now. We've got one or two extra starters who are in the rotation, not even counting Peterson and McGill. And think of all the things we could do with these pitchers and all that. That's great. Uh, and I am not, obviously, wishing any injuries upon anybody. But we know how hard it is to, to hold on to any five pitchers being healthy at the same time. So... One, we haven't seen McGill make a transition to the bullpen on a consistent basis and be like, oh, yeah, this is our, uh, I don't know, Garrett Whitlock is probably the best example of, of somebody in baseball who has also gone between dominant relief pitching and starting pitching. And um, he's proven he can do those things. McGill, we haven't seen do that. And there's absolutely no guarantee that when McGill is ready – which he is not yet, that they won't need him to be a starting pitcher like they did earlier in the season. Right. Uh, even if it's a, a mild thing. Hey, uh, Carrasco's out for a couple of weeks with a with a tight some you know tight muscle, whichever one it is. Or uh, uh, Taiwan Walker has been remarkably healthy with the Mets after struggling to stay healthy for most of his career. But uh, these things can happen. So. I don't know. It. I like Michael Givens a lot. It sucks because if they had added him and at least one other reliever, I'd probably have a very different approach to all this. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah. That, that's and, where we are. And similarly, I think with the offensive pieces they added, and, and they didn't add all these pieces today. This is the last week or so. You know, they added Tyler Naquin. Am I saying that? I always feel like I'm saying that wrong when I say it. Naquin? Naquin? I, yeah, I think Na I think Naquin. Naquin? Is... I would, however I say it, I feel like I'm saying it wrong every time. <laughs> Tyler Naquin, um, Daniel Vogelback, and then today they added Darren Ruff to basically remake the bench a little bit. And, um, you know, the Ruff news was not well received uh, on Mets Twitter or in the Amazing Avenue Slack. And I think that that is both fair and unfair at the same time. On one hand, I think if you put Darren Ruff's numbers on a player's on a player that you didn't know the name of, I think Mets fans would say, "Wow, they got a guy who absolutely mashes lefties, who is going to be a really good platoon partner for Vogelback." But I think because it's Darren Ruff, we have this um, we have this sort of association with 
him when he was out of baseball for a couple of years and all of that. And that's not wrong. Like Darren Ruff is not the all, not an all star. He's not this the savior here. But as it ha- was one half as the weak half of a, a platoon, I think he's actually a, a a pretty good pickup. The problem is compared to Wilson Contreras, Juan Soto, and Shohei Otani, and any other sort of pie in the sky name that was being thrown around out there. I think it's just very very hard to to see him as anybody other than a disappointment. Um, but I think that the the new DH platoon is going to be a very good DHing platoon. I think that you know those two guys just absolutely crush opposite handed pitching, and because the Mets don't really need them to play the field in any way, it's fine until there's going to be an injury possibly where one of them has to play the field for a couple of days because, I mean, Naquin can play the outfield passably let's say but i mean i don't know where you think you're gonna play vogelbach and uh and rough unless they're playing first base and if they're playing first base then something's wrong with pete alonso and that's a bigger problem than those guys playing first but there's just the as you pointed out to me in slack today like the entire bench can't play the field essentially right and that's Uh, a real problem i guess the primary lineup Although I would argue the primary lineup includes Guillaume against right-handed pitching. But uh, if Guillaume is typically on the bench, then obviously he can play several positions. Yes. But there is some lack of flexibility. Uh, Of course, you could argue the same about J.D. Davis and Dom Smith, that these two are essentially replacing what those two were supposed to do. Uh, Obviously, Davis... Uh, was traded to the Giants in the rough deal. And uh, yeah, so I guess the the one way of taking all of this is that the Mets bolstered the team that they already were, right? They They didn't go and get somebody who could maybe play all of the outfield positions. Um, I mean, I guess they're in an okay spot because Canna and Marte could handle center if Nimmo gets hurt. Right. But uh, <laughs> Darren Ruff cannot. Uh, Naquin, I, I, I have to admit, I don't remember enough about his defense when he's with the Reds to really have a, a strong opinion on what he can do in the field. Uh, but I don't think Darren Ruff or Vogelback should be in the field except for maybe the one day a week sort of a thing that somebody else needs that that turn at DH. Uh, but the fact that the Mets had gotten so little production out of designated hitter uh, over the course of the season and used it to rotate guys in earlier, uh, maybe they don't have to do that quite as much now. Um, right. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. 
a laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talking about sort of bolstering the team they have, getting May and DeGrom and eventually McGill back, again, this is just bolstering the team that they had. And that team is very good. Again, I don't want to I don't want to sound like I'm too down on the Mets right now. Because I think that the Mets are still better than the Braves with the moves the Braves made today. I think the Dodgers did not do all that much to change my opinion about the Dodgers. The Padres probably jumped over the Mets in terms of um just the the quality of the roster, at least the offensive roster. I think the Padres have now surpassed the Mets with the acquisition of Juan Soto and others. And, uh, you know, I, I you know, the Phillies got a little bit better, but the Phillies are still going to finish third. Uh, sorry, Phillies fans. That's just the way it's going to go this season. And, uh, you know, so I don't know. I don't feel like the Mets. I don't. I Except from the Padres. And the Padres did so much. I don't think you can compare with the Padres to what anybody else did. But except for the Padres, I don't think any of the Mets' direct competition got that much better. And so I'm not I am not feeling like the Mets have blown anything by not going all in here. But it just seems to me like if there's ever a time to and I'm not I'm not saying give up uh, you know, Alvarez or or, or Beatty, you know, give up one one of their two best prospects. But if you're, if you're talking about, you know, prospect three through eight or whatever, and that guy could have brought you back a really solid rental that would have shored up your team considerably going into the home stretch, like to me, this is the year you do that. And, you know, again, maybe last year trading Pete Crow Armstrong for two months of Javi Baez in a season that wasn't going to go anywhere, that's a move you can criticize. But to me, if, if that... If that trade happened this year, if there was an outfielder with Javi Baez's, um, you know, contract situation where he was going to be a free agent at the end of the season, and you wanted to trade Pete Crow Armstrong this season, where the two or three wins that that player might give you could really be the difference between uh, first place in the division and having a, a buy in the first round versus having to play in the wild card round. Like, to me, this is the year you make that move. And like I said, maybe they're gun shy because they did that move last year and it didn't work out. But this isn't last year. This is the year they should have done that. And I'm that's the biggest disappointment to me is just that it seemed like there was an opportunity and not for Soto, not for uh, Otani, as much as I would love to have had either of those guys on the Mets. It just seems like with with just a little bit of a push and just a little bit of an overpay for someone other than Ruff, who I think they did overpay for, uh, ironically, but, you know, just making that push would have been would have made all the difference right now yeah and i think it's important to we all know this but to (laughs) to just mention that right now uh they have max charzer and jacob de grom in the rotation Uh, i'm sort of repeating myself with the the point about the whole rotation 
But when they made that trade for Baez and, and Trevor Williams, uh, I feel like if, if Carlos Carrasco gets a little forgotten in the in the Lindor trade, <laughs> Trevor Williams really gets forgotten in the Baez trade. So That's true. I, and, I, and, I wanna, he is, wanna... and Trevor Williams has been a valuable dude for the Mets this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not no, not quite like a Darren Oliver, who I think was so valuable to the 2006 Mets, but uh, effective in his own way. It, 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 similar spirit, I guess, is that. Yeah, and, um, and versatile as hell, too. Right, right. So, uh, but anyway, when they made the Baez trade, they did not have Max Scherzer on their team. He was being traded to the the Dodgers at the time. Uh, and Jacob deGrom was effectively out for the season. Maybe they didn't quite know that yet at that point. I think they probably did, but um, that is a huge difference in, in context. So, look... Uh, I, I, I want us to be appropriately uh, down about it right now, while also in a few weeks, you know, screw it. The Mets are way over 500. Um, I do think they're going to win the division. I know that's not a given, but I think they will. I think they'll earn one of the buys in the new playoff format. And then you get to that point and there's no reason to dislike this team in a short series. I just hope when we get to that point that we're not thinking back to this. Right. If, it, if it works out, then whatever. We, we, uh, we were in a bad mood about the Mets for a day or two or a week or two uh, in August. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. And, um, you know, we mentioned DeGrom coming back tonight. He pitched five innings of one-run ball. He struck out a shit ton of nationals. He looked sharp. His fastball was hitting 102 at points. So it is nice to have DeGrom back. It's a bummer that the bullpen could not keep it going. You know, the Mets, they were down one nothing, and then Francisco Lindor hit a home run to tie it because that's what Francisco Lindor does. He steps up when they need him to. But then... The uh, the crew of Steven Nagosik and Yoan Lopez came in and gave up four runs in quick order to put the game out of reach for the Mets. Uh, there was some talk in the Amazing Avenue Slack, and I think I agree with this. I wanted to get your take on this, that I had said, like half tongue-in-cheek, that you can't blame the lack of bullpen acquisitions on today's loss because, because there's no such thing as teleportation. Those players couldn't have gotten here anyway. And then I think it was our friend Michael pointed out to us that he said that he doesn't disagree with that, but Showalter seems to have brought in Nagosik and Lopez because they're going they're going to be sent down tomorrow. And this is something he does whenever a player is going to be sent down. He tries to get them in the game one last time. And that really does seem like what happened today. And so I do understand the anger at Showalter just not strategically using the bullpen today. Now, I can also realistically say Jacob deGrom's first game back really doesn't matter in like a wins and losses category, right? We're glad he's back. He threw loose and easy. He's healthy. That's the important stuff. Wins and losses don't matter. And fans are probably too hung up on winning his first game back. And that is probably also true, but I still maintain that Michael was right and Showalter was using them in the game simply because they're being sent down tomorrow. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I think so. Um, it, it's funny for a second there. I thought you called Michael Michael Showalter, which uh, no, no, <laughs> I, I'm not talking about the star of the state. Uh, uh, right, right, no, but uh, easy enough to blend those two names together. <laughs> absolutely, and uh, I'm a big fan of Stella and the state, and uh, yeah, absolutely. There you go. Uh, but yeah, I, I think. I think those guys do get into the game in that context. Um, DeGrom's first game back, uh, they had built a substantial winning streak. As long as they win the day game, uh, late afternoon day game, but still a day game, uh, that would be a 5-1 and one stretch against the two bad teams in the division. I, I still don't think even with the trades that the Phillies are particularly good. but They're better. Right. I mean, they're above 500 and, and relevant to the expanded playoff discussion. So that is a significant step up from the Marlins and, uh, and Nationals. So uh, if it ends up being a 5-1 and one stretch against those two teams, then that's still successful. Um, and specifically with the bullpen, you, you look at the lineup the Nationals had uh, rolled out tonight following their trades and yeah, I, I, I don't know. I can't get too down on those management choices because they do have five games with the Braves coming up starting on Thursday mm-hmm. uh, with the doubleheader on Saturday. That that's a long series. You know, we talked about it a little bit. Uh, the last time they played the Braves, a series they won, uh, which I think is important to remember. Yes. But it's hard to sweep a three-game series. It's really hard to sweep a four-game series, and it's really, really hard to sweep a five-game series, and especially not like a five-game regular season series. You can sweep a five-game playoff series by winning three games. But when you actually have to play a team head-to-head five games, I think without looking it up, the most likely outcome is probably one team wins three and the other team wins two. You know, obviously, I hope the Mets win all five, but it's extremely unlikely that they'll lose all five, and that's the only way they come out of that weekend series in a in a really bad and down spot. Um, but if Buckshaw Walter felt like the better relievers he has available were more important to keep as fresh as possible for that series. And he decided to basically match AAA lineup talent with AAA pitching talent tonight. Uh, I don't know that I'm not going to lose sleep over. My only argument against that would be um, if you pitch them tonight, they could definitely pitch in one of the five games, probably in uh, on uh, Thursday's game against the, the Braves without too much trouble. If you have to pitch them tomorrow in a close game, they probably can't pitch against the Braves on Thursday. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that that's fair. Um, maybe the hope is that tomorrow's game doesn't necessarily need high leverage relief pitchers in it. Um, sure. Kind of see what happens when they get there. And Givens... I, I don't. I, I'm not sure where the Cubs were, um, whether they're at home on the road, but 
whatever the case, he's changing teams, certainly has to catch a flight probably tonight or tomorrow morning. Um, I'd be okay with approaching it where maybe they don't even activate him yet. But if he is active, he's not necessarily going to be the guy that you want to turn to as the guy who just had his whole life uh, upended briefly by by the trade. Um, So maybe you you kind of plan that Givens will be one of your higher leverage relief pitchers available on Thursday. Um, Yeah, bullpen management, I think it would be fascinating to see. And it's something that gets talked about so much. It's the managerial thing that fans see the most. Um, But really getting a deep understanding of how those decisions are made and not to make an excuse for teams. I think sometimes they do a very bad job of it, but it's still one of those sort of elusive things in baseball, right? We, we never really know Gary and Keith and Ron, the masters of what they do. Um, and they're around the team all the time, but even they sometimes will question bullpen use. Yep. And it's just, uh, I, I don't know. I don't, maybe it's just one of those things that you can never really put uh, an exact metric on, but I feel like teams think they have that. And it would be very interesting to see uh, what, what the team thinks when they approach the weekend that the Mets have coming up and, right. and have a lot of moving parts. Uh, the Cubs were in um, St. Louis, by the way. Okay. All right. Well, that that's that's not too too bad of a flight, but yeah, day no. game after the trade deadline and yeah, and I would think that Ruff, because the Ruff trade happened a little bit earlier, maybe he was on a flight this this evening, so as opposed to tonight, we can hope maybe. So he's yeah. available for tomorrow. Uh, although to be fair, I don't even know who's pitching tomorrow for the. Uh... I believe tomorrow is a Bassett day. I, I meant for the um oh, the Nationals in, in terms of. The handedness of the DH needed. Right, right, right. Yes, maybe we, we don't need him necessarily to start the game. Uh, but I mean, did the Nationals even know who's pitching for them tomorrow? It's That's an excellent question. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> Let's see what it says. So the preview on MLB.com says it's Anabel Sanchez, who oh, is man. a right-handed. He's still around. He is. He's a right-handed yeah. relief uh, starter, so probably vocal back tomorrow. Yeah, and then probably Vogel back hitting one 450 feet tomorrow. Oh, God, let's hope so. He has not yet really lit into one yet. And I want to see it. Um, But, yeah, um, I know we're a little bit down on the Mets tonight, but I feel like we are down on the Mets because we believe so hard. We believe that this team is special and that they should be doing more special things. And the fact that they're not is frustrating. But I still think both of us are feeling overall pretty good about where the Mets are right now. And I am very excited. I'm going to be going to a couple of games this month. I'm excited to do so. And hopefully uh, when we talk this time next month, the Mets are that much closer to shoring up a playoff spot and all of this can be forgotten. But who knows? Uh, any other Mets stuff to talk about before we get to music picks, Chris? Um, no, no. I think that's that's good for now. Uh, we'll reserve our 
chat about Don Mattingly being an annoying opposing manager for, for a future podcast. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's a topic, but you know, little, little, uh, teaser for future, future episodes. Yes, exactly. Uh, so what is your music pick for this week? So it's, it, I have a lot of things about the album, uh, that I'm, that I'm picking that factor in several of the songs have just been prominent in, uh, various, whether it's been Apple music, Spotify, whatever, uh, playlists or radio stations generated from the algorithms off of songs that you, uh, that you start them with. Uh, so a couple of the songs on this record had come up and I was very familiar with them from that, but in my music streaming, I don't know, search of 2022, uh, I'm currently doing a three-month trial of title. Mm-hmm. How, how is that going, by the way? So far, so good. Um, algorithm gets a little repetitive, which is a note I also would have for Apple Music in terms of doing a good job of uh, of serving up songs you like, but then not giving you that much variety once you know once you get into that mode of listening. Um, but the sound quality is really good and. Uh, navigating it's easy the the desktop app doesn't lag or anything like that um so yeah but decent experience so far but to their credit they served up a song that i had not heard because i never really listened to this full record until uh there's a song called dirt picker and the band is post animal the album is when i think of you in a castle it came out in 2018 um, they played Desert Days in 2019. I don't recall if we saw their set, which I know is not a ringing endorsement, but that also happened to me with Parquet Courts and Solid Sound several years ago, where I realized I had probably seen them at the time that I started to like the music a few years later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the song Dirt Picker came up and it was I just it, it got me. I was like, "Whoa, okay." I have to think about this band in a different in a different context. Uh, and then I went back and listened to the full record over the weekend, and realized that there are several other songs on there that I had already liked. So, there you have it: an album recommendation. And uh, <laughs> one thing I will say: title features credits more prominently, and and yes. Um, in looking at the credits, I saw that uh, Joe Keery, who plays Steve on Netflix hit Stranger Things, was in this band. Uh, basically, at some point in 2016, 17, 18, Stranger Things became a really full-time commitment for him. Uh, so he did step away from the band. But he's on vocals and guitar for several songs on this record that I really liked. And I had no idea that this dude was the same dude as a fairly prominent character in Stranger Things. Um, So I guess at this point, he does a little bit of like side project stuff with with the guys who are still in the band. Um, Performed a couple of songs with him at at something recently as I was going down this rabbit hole this evening. and just just cool to make that connection uh, as a fan of good music and that show uh, without realizing that I've been listening to his voice. 
before. So yeah, again, when I think of you in a castle by post animal, uh, and, and I look forward to seeing them live, whether Steve, sorry, but that's what I'm going to call him, uh, is there <laughs> or not. Just don't call him Steve. If you ever see him in person. Y- yes. <laughs> On the podcast, it's fine in person. It's probably uh, not as cool. Uh, so, uh, Chris and I had a little bit of a of a discussion before the show. We had both wanted to pick a record by this band because of a conversation between Gary Cohen and Keith Hernandez in tonight's broadcast. That band is the Violent Femmes. Um, I was going to go with the self-titled debut because that is the widely considered best album in their catalog, and I'm not here to necessarily refute that. However, their second album, Hallowed Ground, is actually my favorite Violent Femmes re- record, so I'm going to go with that one. I actually just bought this on vinyl at Solid Sound, actually, from one of the uh, record merchants there. So um, all the songs on the first two Violent Femmes albums, this one and the self-titled, were written when uh, Gordon Gano was in high school. And he actually wrote most of these songs first, but recorded them second. This is a widely controversial album because uh, Gordon Gano is uh, the son of a Baptist preacher. And so a lot of these songs are, uh, I don't want to say they're necessarily Christian songs, although maybe they could be seen that way. They talk about sort of, there's a lot of Christian Im- imagery and stuff in these songs. There's a song called Jesus Walking on the Water. Uh, Hallowed Ground is obviously a religious term. And, um, you know, the other two guys in the band are atheists, and they they had said at the time, like, they thought it was kind of funny to fuck with the punks who were going to get mad at this, and so they didn't mind playing these songs. Uh, and also, this album is sort of like a, a really, um, I think it's a really interesting look at country music and bluegrass and folk, just kind of taking, like, these very Americana sounds and mixing them with a band that is not trying to do them authentically necessarily but doing like their own spin on it and so i I just think it's a really fascinating sonic record um the first song on the album called country death song and that is one of the best violent femme songs ever Uh, it was written again it's by a high school student which blows my mind because it's it's just a very um evocative and cool song it almost reminds me of like a flannery o'connor novel with the taking like southern gothic christian thing and doing it in a very very dark way and uh, but I hear the rain is great. Um, there's a song in here called Black Girls that is has been uh, I think I hope it's been misunderstood. To me, it sounds like it's written from a perspective of a very ignorant young man, and he's talking in the character voice of an ignorant young man. I'm hoping that the actual singer is not that ignorant young man, but I don't really know. But anyway. Right. Um, I just think that this is a really cool, really weird album. I love it when bands do a sharp left turn at some point in their career and do something that's very different and just that only they could do. Like that first Violent Femmes album is really unique. And I think if they tried to remake that 100 times, it would have failed 99 of those times by doing something different and unique and creepier and darker and stranger. I think it, it, it made their career infinitely more interesting. And so if you've never heard it and you know Blister in the Sun, apparently like Keith Hernandez now does, um, check out Hallowed Ground. You you might like it or you might hate it, but that's okay. <laughs> and on, on the note about the controversial part or, or approach to that, uh, that description of it reminds me a lot of White Minority by Black Flag. 
Right. Which I think is very obviously sarcastic. Um, but yeah, that if you just read the lyrics, you'd be like, "Wow, this is a terrible song." But right, right. But but when but, you're when when you're putting on the person of somebody else as a songwriter, you should be able to sing about somebody else's ignorant thoughts. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's that's the show for this week. We thank you both. Both we both thank you for listening. I hope there's more than two people listening <laughs> to this. Um, but thank you for listening. Very, we really appreciate it. Please go to amazingnavigator.com for analysis and news and all the all the stuff that happened today. We'll be talking about it over the next few days and sort of hashing it out. And uh, our podcast will be talking about it. So check out the Amazing Avenue podcasts, all of which are available on Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our shows. We appreciate that very much. Chris is on Twitter at Chris McShane. I am on Twitter at Brian Needs a Nap. And until next time, let's go Pets. Bye.